Welcome in to Tailgate. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner in studio. Also got producer Mike Quinn on the mic today. Mike on the mic. NFL Week 6 preview. Also going to do our prospect primer for the 2022 NFL Draft in College Football Week 7. Listener mailbag and an interview with Coastal Carolina tight end one Isaiah Likely at the back end of the show. Let's get it. Mike, I watched the first episode of Ted Lasso. Oh, it is so bad. Okay, uh, I didn't want to say it. I don't like. I'm not a Ted Lasso fan either. I've made it three episodes. What did people? What are people laughing at? Like, do they think the show is funny? It's like campy, as I want to say, is the term that people use for that. It's like it's wholesome. It's wholesome comedy. Wholesome in that it's nothing. Like it's like there is no depth to the show at all. I thought I mean, it was like watched, good. You watched one episode. I know, and I I'm going say. to watch more, okay. and I'm going to continue to detail my take on the show in the beginning of this. I think I have to because okay. I am, I guess, against the grain here and yeah. thinking Ted Lasso isn't good because apparently it's like this award-winning show. What did you guys laugh at in the first episode? Was it when he spit out the the bubbly water at the press conference? Well, you said, "What are we?" I, you're talking the wrong guy. I you said, haven't watched I made, it. I made, no, I said I made three episodes and that was it. I, so the first I, episode, I he spits out the sparkling water. It. Okay. Two or three times. Was that the joke that got you guys? That physical humor from like the 1980s? Was it his fake Southern accent? Was it the entire premise of the show being like a legitimate disaster? I, I, I don't know. I'm asking. I don't understand what people like about it. I will say I have like a, I enjoy sports shows. Like I will watch bad sports shows even. And, and I had to turn it off because it was like when a comedy isn't your type of comedy, it's difficult to watch. Like it's almost hard. I'd rather yeah. not even attempt to make jokes than at that point. It just wasn't my cup of tea. So. Or was it the joke where the lady didn't help him actually correct the belief sign and she made it more crooked. Was that the one that got you gunt-wrenching laughing? This, the writing of the show, the punchlines of this show, so far, one episode in, are bad. They're just bad. And like- I, was, I, I will say, you, you have to do more than one episode. I will, really and I a, will, and I will. To really give an honest review. And I can't wait to do so, because it yeah. better get fucking better, because this show, the first episode- We'll probably alienate a lot of listeners, was legitimately I horrendous. Say, I'm, I'm in, I'm in well, I, I won't alienate anyone. Let's pretend, just tell me what you thought about the first episode was funny. Just give me one joke. If you give me yeah. one joke, I'll, I'll, I'll counter. Tell I'll Austin counter. on Twitter. Just tell me, just tell me. He I also know. hates Adam Sandler too, so. Adam yes, Sandler yeah, I has- I disagree there. I think Adam Sandler's hilarious. Adam Sandler hasn't made a good movie in 25 years. Mm. QB Halloween was all right. Stop. I'm the do-over was, was pretty bad. good. The do-over was pretty good. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. The one with Jennifer Aniston was at least watchable. I yeah, with Jennifer called. Aniston. Well, what was yeah. that called? Like the mystery one? I don't know. It, it's he's he's made some good movies. You're wrong about that one. Let's preview this NFL slate before I get into more of my tangent here. Thursday night football: Bucks, Eagles, Eagles right now at home, six and a half point dogs. I don't think that number is enough. I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as I've said, you know, since the start, are the best team in the NFL. I think even on the road. Going up to Philly against Jalen Hurts, I like the Bucks minus six and a half. And I think as you get closer to Sunday, and there's a lot of you know analysis on PFF.com that talks about betting earlier in the week to get ahead of some of this all this money that comes in on Saturdays and Sundays. I expect this number to get to seven, potentially seven and a half through that key number. Huge fan of betting the Bucks minus six and a half. And at six and a half, maybe it is a teaser spot. You get down to a half, pretty much a pick them. Uh, if you can find another leg there, I'm a big fan of the Bucks minus six and a half. Yeah, I think with all their injuries, whether it's Brandon Brooks being out for a while, whether it's Lane Johnson not playing still in this one, 
uh, I find it difficult to see the Eagles really moving the ball. And it's like the one matchup that, and now the Eagles are one of the most pass heavy. They are the single most pass heavy team in the NFL so far this season in like neutral game script situations when they you know, don't have to pass. But it's like, I don't trust this offensive line to hold up. You, have, you flip Jordan Mylata to right tackle. It's like, yeah, that's, you have Andre Diller, Jordan Mylata on paper that should work, but he had his lowest grade of the game, lowest grade of game of the year last week, 52.4 overall grade when he did flip to the right side. Like it's usually it's difficult. And especially for a guy who's still young in his career, like Jordan, my lot of flip him, it's going to be tough. So that defensive line for the bucks, still a lot of teeth. Now the secondary, I don't trust as much, but I will say going up against the bucks. Yeah. I just don't think he's going to have the time. Jalen hurts to hit those guys right now, according to PFF's ELO ratings, which is essentially a power rating. The bucks are the number two team in the NFL but have the number one offense and the number seven defense. Meanwhile, the Eagles, 26th overall, 18th in offense, 13th in defense. What's your take on Sam and Steve both said their MVP through five weeks is Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady should be in the conversation. Is not a favorite, obviously. I think it's right now Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Herbert, Dak, Lamar. I think Lamar Jackson should maybe be more in the conversation than Dak has. But where are you right now with your MVP? And I guess talk about how you feel Tom Brady has played so far. The highest graded quarterback in the NFL. He's been very good. He's been very good. He also has the best supporting cast of any any team. Like maybe Dak Prescott has a better supporting cast. That's about – like he has – about a perfect supporting cast as you can get. The only like bad position on that roster offensively is the running back position. Again, we're like, that doesn't really necessarily affect much. So I do think that, yeah, Tom Brady's been fantastic. I'm not going to deny that, but if we're talking about most valuable, I would just lean elsewhere with, I, I think to me it's right now it'd be Kyler Murray or Justin Herbert. All righty. We're off to London. What'd you think of that? That's buy- better than mine. I can't do accents. Come on, I, give me one. So, no, okay. I, I can't even, like, attempt to do accents. Being born in Wisconsin, you have one of the worst accents in America just in terms of, like, appeal. Yeah. And it doesn't translate to anything else. I, If I attempt London accent. <laughs> no. I hate it. I just hate do it. Neil. I, yeah, look, yeah, Neil. But I can't even do Neil. Like, I can't even do Neil Hornsby. Why the here. fuck <laughs> do we have... Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> you don't know Neil. Neil's the founder of PFF. He is from London. Or no, some part of the UK. Yeah, um, Northern England, I think. Why we're going to London. I keep, the accent keeps changing. I can't keep doing this. Dolphins at Jags. Yeah. Fun stat. How many times do you think the Jacksonville Jaguars have played in London? If you had to guess. 12. Seven. I thought it was high too. I thought like they've been there every year. I thought they were practically moving Seven's the team still there. very high. Though. Seven's high, but I thought it was higher. Uh, Dolphins at Jags. Jags are three and a half point dogs in their hometown, London. Um... There's not a part of me. I thought this line would be bigger. Tua Tungabailoa is expected to come back from the yeah. injured reserve and play in this one. The Jags do love London, but there's just not a lot of me that wants to bet the Jags right now. It's still a very bad football team, and yeah. I don't think this is – I think Tua Tungabailoa coming back from injury almost makes me never – if Brissett was in this one, what do you think the line is? Four and a half? Or no, like maybe Wait. two and a half, one and a half? I think it's irrespective of, right? of honestly, who's starting at quarterback right now with – I mean, Tua being injured and this is first game back from it. Never mm-hmm. know if that's going to be good. Jags don't have the pass rush. They don't have the guys in the defensive line right now that I worry about, you know, exploiting this Dolphins offensive line. We say, like, that's the biggest issue with the Dolphins, one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. you got Dwayne Smoot with 18 pressures leading the Jags right now. You don't have a lot of talent up front to really Expose worry. weakness. Me. Exactly. So, so three and a half for the Jags. I get that. That's through the key number. 
as Austin loves to say. I think it's the first time I said it here on this podcast. But it's a key number. A key number. The, not the key number. I mm-hmm. sound like a fucking noob. You're but an idiot. <laughs> with Tua coming back, I think Tua has a good game. I think he looks good in this game. And Dolphins still do have a good defense despite some less than stellar results of late. They still have the talent there. So far this year, the Jacksonville Jaguars actually rank 18th in pressure percentage on the opposing quarterback at 34%. Obviously not top half of the NFL. Meanwhile, Miami Dolphins have been horrendous at, you know, pass protecting quarterback. I think Tua yeah. Tungamailoa um, has a good game this week against a bad Jacksonville Jaguars defense. And offensively for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Urban Meyer doesn't even know who's going in on certain plays. I mean, did you see that quote where he mentioned he doesn't micromanage which players are in the game and he didn't know that James Robinson didn't have a lot of usage in the fourth quarter? Like he said, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Am I, is that, are we overblowing that? Like, is that not com- is that's, that common? That's, that to me is overblown. Okay. That's, that was like, it's just anything that Urban Meyer says about his team that he doesn't know right now is going to get made into a massive deal. To be the fair, I would was, like a better answer than I didn't realize that. The fun- I would. I, can I say that? I would like a better answer. Okay. Well, the funnier quote to me last week was when he's like, I thought everyone just needed to clear their head after Thursday night game is why he went to Columbus. That one was that was a good one. Well, he cleared his head yeah. for sure. Um, moving on. So you're officially picking Dolphins minus three and a half? Dolphins minus three and a half. All right. One o'clock slate. We're out of London. Packers at Bears. Mason Crosby gearing up for another six field goal attempt performance. Maybe Bears at home, four and a half point dogs. We've picked favorites for the first two. Where are you heading for this one? I'm going Bears. I think this is the first game, and I'm not picking Bears to win outright. But I think it's the first game that the Packers offensive line injuries and youth really shows up. Yep. It did this past week against the Bengals, but the Bengals, like, they have good DTs, their edge position. A little suspect. Sam Hubbard, one of the lowest graded edge. Uh, or lowest graded pass rushing edges in the NFL so far this season. The Bears are the opposite of that. I think they have second highest pressure percentage they do. of any team in the NFL. Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn is difficult for anyone to handle, let, let alone Yosh Nijman, the backup tackle there. Now, Elton may play. That would be huge for them if they do. But even still, the youth on the interior, guys like Royce Newman, Josh Myers may still be out in this one. If that is the case, I, I, do, I don't think you're going to see this the results we've seen in recent weeks of Aaron Rodgers being able to avoid basically that offensive line by getting the ball off his hands quickly. Do you think this is the first time an NFL defense actually looks to limit Devontae Adams? Like, could, could this be the first time where they actually try and put two or three guys on him? Because that would be the number one thing I'm going into this with. Right now, the Bears defense ranks fifth in EPA per play allowed, eighth in EPA per pass allowed. So a top 10 defense in efficiency, number two in pressure rate. But the number one thing on my list is stopping the guy that literally had 60% of the team's passing yards last week. Limit Devontae Adams in this offense looks so much different. And I think they might have the dogs to do it. They're overperforming my expectations at least. Uh, might have the dogs. I, like no one's got the dogs to do it one on one, and they do. I've said this on the. I said it on the Monday show. They do an exceptional job of making sure that if you want to double him, you have no clue where he's going to be, and you're going to have to basically you know, bring your defense to its knees to try to do so, uh, and really tip your hand at what you're trying to do because of how just varied his alignment is. I will say Jalen Johnson's playing exceptionally this season. 39.1 pass rating against. I would have him track Devontae Adams if 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 you are, you know, coming out in man or something similar. Like I, I would have him on Devontae's side when possible, but I, I I there's no shutting Devontae down with how that offense is clicking. 
if you include Jacksonville as a home dog, since they are, it is technically their home game in London. That's like four consecutive home dogs that we're looking at now. I'm picking Bears too. I'm going to ride with you. Ride with you, Bears plus four and a half. I think Packers do win, but I do like the Bears to cover. Bengals at Lions, another home dog. Lions are plus three and a half against the Cincinnati Bengals. This one, I'm riding with the favorite. The Detroit Lions defense has been as bad as their offense so far this year. Ranks 30th in EPA per play allowed so far this year, and their offense has struggled to create explosive plays. Meanwhile, Cincinnati has had a lot of success through the air so far this year. Joe Burrow, one of the highest-grade quarterbacks in the NFL. Jamar Chase on a Randy Moss-like terror to start the season from a production standpoint. Um, I think Cincinnati is in a good position to cover the three-and-a-half. It's a tough line. I would have liked it a lot more at three because it is through that key number, but I think three-and-a-half, I still think Cincinnati covers this Detroit Lions team just isn't good. Yeah. I have to agree with all of that analysis and add to the fact that the Lions already, they, they started the season with the worst receiving core in the NFL, and then they just lost their top receiver. They lost Quintez Cephas, mm-hmm. I believe, out for the season. So I, I, I don't know how you, like, they, they are just behind the eight ball in terms of generating anything downfield, anything explosive. And, and then you combine that with the fact that, you know, you got Jared Goff at the helm with a tough slate of rookie left tackle, backup right tackle, that it's just not a, a recipe Frank Ragnow out too. for and now Frank Ragnow. Not a recipe for offensive success. So I do as well like the Bengals to cover that number, even though it's through a key number. It is. I'm going to bring up all the key numbers. I love there. it. I freaking love it. You should. It's good betting. I mean, <laughs> it's an important number. Uh, Frank Ragnow on the injured reserve. He had season-ending toe surgery. Romeo Quara also on the injured reserve with Achilles injury. And then you have Quintus Cephas out of this game. On Man, the could you reserve. imagine? Okay, just as a quick aside. You imagine you like, you probably, I don't know, kicked something, stubs his toe. He's like, fuck, that hurt. Goes to sideline. It's over. And he's like, yeah, your season's over. I, I can't. So I've never even heard of you know? season-ending toe surgery. I'd be so mad. But... I'd, I will say though, turf toe, no joke. And sometimes I, I, I know it's not, but it's like you, 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 in the moment, you're probably just like, oh, damn, flubbed my toe. Like it'll flubbed. heal. He definitely flubbed. said flubbed. Yeah, word for word. Was that a quote? Uh, Texans at Colts. Colts are actually not home dogs. Favored by nine and a half over the Texans. David Culley says Terod Taylor is probably not expected to play. And then you have Laramie Tunsil also hurt, might not play in this game. Scary hours. Scary hours if you're betting Davis the Neck Mills. Nine and a half's a lot of points, though. This Nine is... and a half's a lot of points. And Davis Mills is hitting his stride. This Colts defense is like, predictive, you know, predictable. I like Davis the Neck Mills plus nine and a half. Can you name? Because I, I couldn't. The Colts starters at outside corner. Not starters. The guys who were playing at outside cornerback during the second half of the last week game of Monday night game against the Ravens. Rocky Scene. No. I don't know. Who was it? Isaiah Rogers and Anthony Chesley. I had not heard of them prior to this past week. That's I'll just a be real, those I are real names. Real. Those are UDFAs from UMass and Central Arkansas, respectively. Sorry, did not scout those guys coming out of UMass and Central Arkansas, respectively. So, the rookie UDFAs? No, not rookie UDFAs. I think it's like year two and year three for Rodgers and Chesley, respectively. But that Davis and Neck Mills might have might have a chance to make some plays against that defense. Now they're probably going to sit in cover two because that's how you protect cornerbacks and they play a lot of cover two, anyways. Even though the Texans are the cover two kings, also they play a lot of cover two with Lovey Smith, defense coordinator. But I like Davis Neck Mills. Hell Cover yeah. nine and a half. You know what I also like? What? Plus 340 money line. Oof. I might be saying, I'm saying it. Davis the Neck Mills. I'm supporting. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. I'm here for you. Davis the Neck Mills. Looking at some of the injuries here. Quentin Nelson still on the injured reserve. Jordan Glasgow on the injured reserve. And you have a lot of, lot of players listed questionable. Quiddy Pay, Rocky Scene, Braden Smith. 
this is an injury-hampered Colts team that has still not seen, like, the high side of variance for Carson Wentz. Mm -hmm. He has played well, but he has not turned in an 80, 85-plus PFF grade yet this year. He has not been stellar in any single game this year. You hope to see him continue to improve, but if he's not going to continue, you know, not going to be that level of play, the play that we saw back in 2016 – I'd argue it's very difficult to win games with how much injuries they have, specifically in the secondary, and just you know how you know how underperforming they've been so far this year. So I'm going for Davis to Neck Mills at plus nine and a half, and at plus three forty, give me him on the money line. I want to root for something great, and I'm rooting for him as a road dog against Indianapolis Rams at Giants. Before we get to Rams at Giants, gonna have to bring up a proud sponsor of the podcast, DraftKings. DraftKings is sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast. Um, excuse me here. Whoa. Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can be can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets. If either team scores a point, Davis and Neck Mills will score a point this week, if not a ton. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was 1943, so I'd say this is a no-brainer. Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Throw $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Speaking of DraftKings, little sidebar. In Colorado only, you can bet on DraftKings, who the next head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders will be. Tied for the favorite to be the next head coach at plus 500 apiece is Eric Bieniemy and Brian Dable. Ooh. Who are you more attracted to in that situation? I mean... Marvin Lewis. Stop. Stop. <laughs> He's not on there. Uh, it's Riley's more like, do they want, would they want to go there? I'm not sure that's a super attractive job with... Fair. Yeah, you know, like, in that, between those two... Gosh, I mean, uh, probably be enemy, but it, I, I'm not. I I would be surprised. Like plus five hundred, I'd be surprised if it is either of those two guys. Yeah, I mean, Lincoln Riley's on that list. I think at plus seven hundred. Joe Brady is a little bit further down. Um, a lot of names on that list. I think Jeff Fisher is also scratching that list. I don't know. We'll see. All right, Rams at Giants, another home dog, and actually a ten point dog. Mm. Daniel Jones, is, I think, is on track to play after the concussion. Yeah, that's the big sort of elf in the room here. I, Daniel Jones is on track to play, but they got injuries elsewhere too, man. Like, they have a lot of injuries at receiver. Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney. Like, this is a very— Tony's not injured. Or is he not? He just punched a guy. Oh, I thought he was hurt. I don't think so. All right, well, I, I, I stand corrected. But I still feel like they're facing a lot yeah, of Yeah, this is one where it's like you got you to gotta hold off for some injury news if you really want to bet this line, unless you want to bet the— The Giants. The the Rams side of this line. I kind of like the Giants. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, you got to hold off if you're betting the Giants this one because Daniel Jones, if he's out, you're all of a sudden like throw burning that ticket. Andrew Thomas may not play in this one. And then all of a sudden, that becomes a big issue of, with the way Nate Solders look so far. So there's a lot of injuries to track in this one if you like the Giants. I think if they're all healthy, though, I do like the Giants because that's a massive line. I think the only, I don't want to say the only reason they got housed by the Cowboys, but a big reason they got housed by the Cowboys is because of Daniel Jones getting hurt. And I like what this offense can do from an explosive play standpoint now with Kadarius Tony seeing more playing time and just his role in that offense. So I think 10 points, I can at least keep it within a score and a half, you know? Mm -hmm. So 
the Wednesday practice report for the New York Giants, Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, Daniel Jones, and Andrew Thomas all did not participate. And Kadarius Tony is hurt. Questionable with an ankle injury, limited practice. Same with Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. Three, their top three receivers yeah. all limited practice with varying injuries. I do think that the injury bug would hit. If you bet the Giants are now at plus 10, and then you see Tony, Shepard, Galladay, two, one or two of those guys miss, um, Andrew Thomas included, that would be hurtful. Very hurtful. I will just say, I have to say this about the Giants. Leonard Williams has a cap hit of $27 million next season, and then $26 million the year after that. He has a lower pass rushing grade than Austin Johnson right now in the Giants. He has a 59.7 pass rushing grade. I don't even want to talk about that deal because when I first brought that up, people were coming at my neck about how I shouldn't say that's overpaid. How how in the hell did they make him? like He's like a top three graded player in the NFL, non-quarterback. That's how high paid Landon yep. Williams is. For an interior defensive lineman that is not pass rushing, has never pass rushed yeah. near the rate of an Aaron Donald, Health, Cameron Hayward, some of these Chris other Jones. guys that have been dominant, Javon Hargrave. Yeah. What they've, that was absurd to me. That was absurd to me when it happened. It wasn't absurd, I guess, to Giants fans, but like this was, that was a nut signing at the time. I think they're going to be paying for it dearly down the road here. Chiefs at football team. Football team, guess what? Home dog. It's home dog season. It really is. It's home dog season. Football team plus seven against the Kansas City Chiefs. And honestly, I'm leaning football team. Ooh. This Chiefs team, the defense specifically, has been nothing short of horrendous. It is worse than even the year before they won the Super Bowl. People were talking about, can this defense mm-hmm. creep towards average? And they did. It's worse even than the year before it was, in my opinion. They are not getting pressure on the quarterback. We talked about it a ton on the review show. Like, moving Chris Jones to the edge has created more problems along that pass rush. Yeah. At linebacker... They've struggled. They're mixing in Willie mm-hmm. Gay just now, making his season debut, I think, this past week because, you know, Nick Bolton struggling in space. And on the back end, Daniel Sorensen's not just struggling in space. He's struggling everywhere. And this, against the football team, I'm not saying the football team wins, but it's two defenses that are drastically underperforming. I have more faith in the football team defense, especially after last week where you saw Chase Young, Matt Ioannidis, Deron Payne all have successful games. I do think that the football team is not a seven-point dog, at least at home. I, I, I like the plus seven. I'm leading Chiefs. Okay. Here's why. They, ha- I'll admit, the, the defense has not looked good. They have not looked good against Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Justin Herbert. Those are three MVP candidates. True. Three are probably the top five Because MVP they played the Chiefs. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, yeah, it's a, it's a semiotic relationship, but it's like Steve Spagnolo has one of the most, I don't want to say one of the most complex, like, that's a difficult thing to try to define. But he throws a lot at you in terms of post-snap It's a very versatile defense. Post-snap movement. Multiple. And it is going up against the quarterback, Taylor Heineke, who's not particularly experienced. Yeah, he's kind of old. Like, he's, what, he's 30 years old. But he's not particularly experienced. So I don't think you're going to get the gashing that we've seen from the Bills, from the Chargers, from the Ravens. You will get a mediocre output offensively from the Washington football team. 24 points. 26 points. And then on the other side of the ball, you have a defense that is a busted coverage machine yes. on the back end that those safeties run a 4-6 and a 4-5-3 that they don't have the horses to stop limit big plays. Now, obviously, like Chris Jones doesn't go. That's an issue for the Chiefs. Like there, there are injuries that are impactful in this one, but I am leaning Chiefs even still on the road with a big number. I'll still take it. 
definitely some impactful injuries. A lot of players listed questionable. Kelsey Hill, Tooney, Chris Jones, and on the Washington side, Jonathan Allen, Sam Cosme, who got hurt, was playing excellent last week and then got hurt, wasn't able to play that rest of that game. You also have Scherf questionable, Gibson. So regardless, right now, Green Line sees 1.3% value on cover probability for the seven. I'm leaning with Green Line as well. Um, even maybe a little value on the money line. Who knows? Who knows? That three-game skip for the Kansas City Chiefs would be a tough one to see. Um, on to Vikings at Panthers. And guess what the Panthers are? A home oh, dog. A home dog. Plus one against the Minnesota Vikings. Man, has the market faded Carolina after that 3-0 start? Yeah. This is rough. And I do think Minnesota is the better football team. And if this was at home, I think Minnesota would be four-point favorites over the Carolina Panthers. Kirk Cousins is playing out of his mind. Sam Darnold is not. I think we continue to see that. I think Mike Zimmer picks on him. I like Vikings minus one. Ooh, you like Vikings minus one. I'm going to go the other side here. Panthers at home, right the ship to a degree, because I like the matchup of Brian Burns going up against either Christian Derrissaw or Rashad Hill, whoever starts at left tackle. I just think he is going to have a day against them. And I think now the other side of the ball is not great for like the the defensive ends for the Vikings going up against Taylor Mouton and Brady Christensen's not great either. But I do think that if Christian McCaffrey is back, that the Panthers will at least have some semblance of a running game, be at least be able to have some balance to not put it all on Sam Darnold to force those throws that he did last week. So I'm gonna lean that. Any any thoughts on I just trust the Panthers defense more at this point than yeah. what we've seen from the Vikings. I mean the Panthers defense has been better. Yeah. But I mean, I, even losing last week, what, 21 points to the Eagles? It's like they have been still a very good unit. Let's go ahead and jump to Chargers-Ravens. Probably the game of the weekend, man. This thing's going to be sick. I'm yeah. sorry, Chris. It's not Sunday Night Football. It is this one, and it's in the 1 o'clock slate. Chargers at Ravens. Ravens favored by three. Pretty much a cent market essentially saying this is a pick em. Because you give you know the Ravens that three-point advantage. Mm -hmm. is the fact that they're at home. This is one of the hardest games to pick, man. I mean, these are two really talented teams. You could talk about either of these quarterbacks as MVP candidates so far this season. Lamar Jackson putting the team on his back. Marquise Brown improved defensively. I think the Ravens defense has improved over the course of the season after a, you know, a little bit of a shot to the face in week one. I like the Ravens a lot, especially at home. And throwing so much man coverage against Justin Herbert and this Chargers team could be a change of pace enough for the Ravens. I don't know if they cover the three. I do think that they win. Fuck it. I'm going Lamar Jackson minus Ooh, three. He's going Lamar Jackson minus three. Um, this one's tough. And I go, I went back and forth on this one because there's matchups I think that favor both teams. Obviously, we've talked about the Chargers and their inability to stop the run. That one's a big one. Yeah. I think that's the biggest one that I keep coming back to in this one. And it almost cost them. I shit, they gave up, what, 42 points and 240 yards on the ground. They had to have Justin Herbert go Super Saiyan in the second half to cover that number last week. I don't think this is a defense that you can necessarily do that again. And now they obviously just got kind of kind of touched up by Carson Wentz, but I think there's still a lot of talent in the secondary, a lot more than they faced last week after the Browns had all those injuries. So I'm going to ride the Ravens as well. I think the Ravens can actually get pressure on this offensive line too for the Chargers. I think they're, you know, they're still struggling with injuries. Abushi and Bulaga still on the injured reserve. I think this defense has a better week than maybe people even expect. However, I'll tell you right now, the the, the people are all in on Chargers here. 91% of the Ooh. cash bet on this game is on Chargers plus three. 91%. Oh. Money line, 94%. People are in on Justin Herbert, Herbo, 
Sherbert, because he's so sweet, going into Baltimore. I hated that. Going into Baltimore and covering the three, if not winning. This is uh, a lot of people backing mm-hmm. Los Angeles here. I'm. I'm this is going to be a really sick game. I mean, this is going to be not MVP defining, but it will definitely you know, add some color to the race here. It will definitely you know push this thing forward. I am, I'm excited to see this game. This is going to be one of those hashtag fun to watch games here. 4 p.m. Cards, Browns. Before we get there, can we bring up the proud sponsors of this show? Western Southern Financial Group. While your focus may be on your roster moves, Western Southern helps you advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to identify your needs and address your goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. I haven't even gotten to manscaped yet my favorite read of the show please tune in stay tuned cards at browns this is another really good game back-to-back games here not a home dog browns are favored by three baker mayfield in the media right now i want to have this conversation first Mm -hmm. people are saying i saw i think an article we know what baker mayfield is and we know what he isn't you know maybe hinting at that maybe they don't pay him and maybe he's not enough I, Eric brought up a good point, Eric Eager, colleague here at PFF, and that like one of the bigger questions in the NFL right now is what do you do with quarterbacks that maybe aren't top six, top five guys? What do you do with these Kirk Cousins? I mean, I'm not lumping him in this tier yet, but what if he is in this tier? Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield, where he is consistently an eight to 12 quarterback. How do you approach those situations? Because every single one of them wants to be the highest paid in the NFL when their contract's up. Do you see eventually more middling contracts happen maybe with a higher percentage of guaranteed money like we saw with kirk what do you think ultimately happens with these quarterbacks that aren't better than mahomes that aren't better than prescott like yeah. what do you do yeah i hate i hate this conversation every time it gets brought up because there's it's such like a there's no there's no like one rule to, to like to follow for whatever team you are it's so specific to your franchise in my opinion and i think where baker mayfield is right now he's in the prime tag spot and and I, and I think like you with the amount of control you have over these guys which it re, which is three years after this year with baker mayfield you have three years after this year so it, like no decision has to be made right now and yeah you can assage the cap a little if you do do that extension right now and you can put the money lower now if you really want to and higher later or whatever you want to do with it but I think you have time to in these decisions. Play. And I, as much as, you know, the Cowboys did did just that, I think they are happy with how things went. Like, I think, like, they are in a situation where they now know, whereas the Eagles went ahead and made that decision early. I don't think they're necessarily that happy with how things went. And I, I don't think that – I think they'd lo- love a do-over. So I don't think there's any shame in – giving a I don't want to say a low ball deal right now or offering a low ball deal but giving what you think is his market value is which is not shit it's not what the top guys are getting like it's not it's not not Mahomes level yeah it is not high 30 million dollars a year maybe it's low 30s Uh, it would be my sort of estimation of where he sits in the hierarchy of quarterbacks in the NFL right now and if he declines that shit prove it you know go ahead and prove it you have to so I, I think there's no shame in that as a franchise Cards at Browns. Browns favored by three. I do want this Browns secondary healthy if I'm going to bet the Browns. Well, yeah. So this is my take on this game. Browns minus three. There are five. The, all every starting cornerback is liable to not be playing. Yeah. This game. 
Greg Newsome, Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams for the Browns, all possibly out. Marco Wilson, Byron Murphy for the Cardinals, also both possibly out. So you are in a situation where uh, I, I'm going to, my pick is whoever has more healthy starting quarterbacks in this game, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I do think there are matchups that favor the Browns, like the Browns running game. We've talked about how just fucking dominant that is. We've talked about the Arizona Cardinals rush defense being an issue. But if the Browns are down three cornerbacks, I don't think it, it, that's not going to make up for that fact. So this one is a wait and see wholesale on how these secondary shake out because we saw how the Cardinals, or excuse me, the Browns defense just won the absolute fucking tank last week. I mean, 26 points in the fourth quarter alone without their starting corners. That's why we call it the most valuable position after quarterback. Yeah. No, I would agree. I think it's one to wait on. The line opened actually at minus two and a half. It's stretched out to minus three. We'll see if it gets through a key number at three, but we'll, we'll, you never know. You never know. I definitely think waiting and seeing with these injury reports, especially because there's so many at valuable positions on both sides waiting. I don't imagine it to move much beyond that two and a half, three and a half range. If it does get to three and a half, I think that would be a Cardinals opportunity, but we'll see how it goes. I definitely like to wait and see. Raiders at Broncos. Broncos favored by four. Now, this is what's tough to bank into your models. Do they rally around Basaccia and this new era in Las Vegas and the fact that Mark Davis didn't speak to the media today and let Mike Mayock do it? Or do they crumble a bit in the lack of leadership and obviously this disastrous fallout with John Gruden? Yeah, I mean, I don't, this is about as big a distraction, locker room distraction as it gets. I don't see how you're in that locker room completely locked in and focused on the week that is. So, I mean, Carl Nassib told Mike Mayock very rightfully so that he wanted to take a personal yes. day today with all of this stuff. Yeah, and like, I think there, there there are probably other players that hope to exercise that as well. Yeah. The minds of those players are rattled elsewhere. Yeah. yeah like it, it's impossible not to. Shit. So my uh, mind's rattled. Yeah. Um, so I'm leaning Denver Broncos for that reason. And a number of reasons. They're a good team, too. Yeah. Like, that's a big reason, too. Um, so, yeah, I will lean Denver in this one. I think it's been understated how suffocating this Denver Broncos defense has been. It has been wildly successful, and it's also very deep in the secondary. And also, offensively, I do think, you know, you're going to have Teddy Bridgewater playing in this game. It's always that offense is overperforming with Teddy Bridgewater so far this season. I think this line isn't adjusting enough to the injuries also that the Raiders have. Dave Arnett, injured reserve. You have Trayvon Mullen, injured reserve. We just talked about how valuable injured cornerbacks are. They are starting a combination of Nate Hobbs, Amik Robertson, and Casey Hayward out there, and it has not been wildly successful. I think Denver picks on that. And the other side of the ball, I think it's going to be tough for Derek Carr and this team to legitimately move the ball downfield, as we saw against the Bears defense, yeah. who can create pressure on the quarterback, that can hold up on the back end. I think this is going to be a tough one for the Raiders. Broncos minus four is my bet as well. Cowboys, well, Cowboys at Patriots. Patriots home dogs plus three and a half key number there i like the cowboys a lot man the cowboys are playing stellar football and i don't even think they're at full strength you know michael gallup on the injury reserve they haven't had him they've you know see mari cooper looks like he's getting hurt every single play the guy gets up slower than any player in the nfl but he continues to battle through these injuries they're a top five offense in the nfl i you could argue they're a top five team in the nfl patriots have drastically underperformed and after mac jones performance the box score won't show it he did not play well in that game. I think the Cowboys defense could suffocate. And I think Trayvon Diggs maybe picks up his seventh interception on the season in this one. Ooh. Ooh. I don't know if I agree with that take. It's difficult to get picks. But I will say... Not when Mac Jones is throwing out lollies. Uh, I will say this. I mean, the Patriots man cover heavy, heavy scheme. 
is not what you, is not what you want against these receivers. You know, you know, for the for the Dallas Cowboys, they there's no you know Bill Belichick noted for his ability to take your your biggest strength away. Well, shit, the, the Cowboys are about as balanced an offense as exists in the NFL right now. They can beat you. Shit, they can beat you with Dalton Schultz, you know? Like, they, they can beat you with their— Don't throw Dalton Schultz's name into the mud like that. He's been good this year. I just said they could beat you with him. I mean, like, Dalton Schultz is a guy no one talks about, but they, he can, they can beat Maybe you we should. with him. Yeah. So there's no, like, one thing that I think the Patriots are going to be able to stop. I mean, the Cowboys look fucking good. So three and a half uh, for as sort of tight as this Patriots offense has been. Like, if it gets into the 30s, I don't see how the Patriots offense— keeps up before we get to sunday night football and monday night football i got to bring this up promo code tailgate 25 percent off your pff subscription yeah we have sold more subscriptions on that than any other podcast so far this year i mean i don't know what to tell That's you what I'm talking it's about the blind week. not the blind support just the overwhelming support for the tailgate podcast that continues to keep us in these seats don't disparage our blind listeners there's probably some out there we like you we love you too it's the blind and seen support for yeah. this podcast that is helping us move forward i mean that's how you bought the jersey it's how I continue to buy home build apparel. Good speed. It's pretty sweet. But please use promo code P or no promo code Tailgate to get twenty five percent off any PFF subscription and continue to show your support for the Tailgate podcast. We appreciate it a ton. I wanted to wear this this weekend, but it's apparently going to be like seventy. I was going to wear it to the game. Is that too cold to wear? Yeah, I mean, I'm not. It's a tank top. Seventy. I'm also pretty pa- pretty pasty right now. I'm pretty. Well, you just wear a sweatshirt. I'm wearing my. I'm going to roll. Wear my uh, roll tide what fuck you shirt. It's great. That man. sounds really cool, man. That's fine. So wait, you were wearing a sheet, a sleeve, a t-shirt, but not that shirt because it's too cold. This is a tank top. I'm wearing a t-shirt. At 70 degrees? Okay. What do you, what's, what's the, there's a 65? difference. 65? Like 60, it's got to get in the 60s before you say no to a tank top. Really? Yeah. I disagree. That's a crazy take. Fair 60, enough. if I see a person wearing a tank top at 65 degrees with, right now it's 78 degrees in Cincinnati. This is why I'm wearing this. If I see a person wearing a tank top, it's. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you? It's like people that wear shorts in the winter. Do you wear shorts in the winter? You Maybe I do. Okay. Uh, Sunday Night Football, Seahawks at Steelers, Geno Smith at Ben Roethlisberger. Some people would joke that the better quarterback is getting points, hinting that Geno Smith is better than Big Ben. I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. I think this can be a very difficult, you know, for on a short week for Geno Smith to go in and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is going to be tough. I think the Steelers favored by five. Like, I don't want to touch that line because I have no faith in them, you know, you know, beating the Seahawks by, you know, a touchdown plus with how, you know, inconsistent, let alone bad this offense has been. But if I'm going to bet a side here, I am betting Big Ben minus five. I don't like Geno Smith or the Seahawks defense. Like this defense hasn't played yeah. well this so far this year either. I, I think this is going to be a tough one to bet Seattle. I like C- Steelers minus five. Yeah, I mean, Russ had this offense on his back. You know, it was him. Without him, this is one of the. It looks like one of the worst rosters in the NFL. I mean, let's say what it is. It's just that you have holes left and right, especially on the defense side of the ball. And so, uh, I don't love their ability to get after Big Ben. Uh, I just. Five, yeah, it's a big number for a team that has looked putrid at times this season, Pittsburgh. But, I mean, you're going to back up quarterback in Geno Smith. I, I I like the Steelers as well. Yeah. Monday Night Football, last one here. Bills at Titans. Titans plus five and a half. The Bills are phenomenal, and they're hot. Josh Allen is hot. Favorite to win the MVP, and rightfully so. He has been phenomenal these last few weeks. But... At home, another home dog, Titans plus five and a half. And I think what Tennessee has done is they've proven they can put up points. 
know, so far this year, they have you know one of the better offenses after a horrendous performance from Todd Downing in Week One. He has rallied. <laughs> I I I, <laughs> I have liked what the Tennessee Titans have done since, and especially when they've had healthy receivers. Like they've really struggled to get both Julio Jones and AJ Brown on the football field at the same time. Right now, Julio yeah. Jones list is questionable. AJ Brown expected to play, and even with that, Tennessee right now their offensive rating according to PFF so far this year is third. They have been good, and their EPA per play ranks top 10. Like, they have been successful offensively despite, obviously, kind of a rough start to the season. I think this 5.5, especially at home, is too much. I like Tennessee plus 5.5. Yeah, I, I, I've gone back and forth on this one because Bills are red hot. I mean, Bills look very good, both sides of the ball. Don't get me wrong. And the Titans are a little suspect, shall we say, in terms of they've lost the Jets. They got blown out by the Cardinals, and their wins are against the Colts, the Seahawks, and the Jaguars, three teams that ain't making the playoffs. They don't have a quality dub yet on it. But they also have a very good offense when like Julio Jones and Aj Brown are healthy. This is offense is difficult to stop. I don't care if you are the Bills, and your defense has been playing some lights out football of late. So, yeah, five and a half is just a lot. I'm not saying Titans pull off the upset. I just think that's a lot for a team that is a good team, that is going to win the AFC South that will be making the playoffs this year. So yeah, give me Titans at home. Love it. Prospect primer, college football week seven. Let's do it. Traylon Burks, Arkansas wide receiver going against Auburn cornerback Roger McCreary. I think that line is actually pretty tight too. Just a three-point line between Arkansas and Auburn. Should be an absolute game to watch this weekend. And I like Burks to win this matchup, especially with how they're using him this year. I think he's going to get moved around quite a bit on the outside end of the slot. I don't think McCreary follows him by any means, but the few opportunities he does get against McCreary, I think Burks has been even more impressive than I thought he was, and that's not just because he's a friend of the show. But he is a friend of the show. He is a friend of the show. Yeah, but uh, I, I will say they're not going to see each other a ton. Burks is playing more out wide, though, this year than he has before. That's going to be a good matchup because this is you know, theoretically the type of wide receiver you more for McCreary that you would like to see him go up against a bigger 6'3", 225 type of wideout. McCreary at only you know six foot one ninety, a little skinnier type of cornerback, more of a match and mirror guy than a press physical corner. So it'd be nice for both of them in the limited time we do see them go up against each other. I am a huge fan of Traylon Burks's game, man. I think I've like viewed him a lot as like a contested catch type and but you're starting to see more separation speed. from his game this year and more speed at, at a good size it's 220 222 25 like that is yeah. impressive for Burks Wyndale Robinson versus Tyke Smith this is the Kentucky Georgia game which I think is a 21 22 point spread Whew. in favor of Georgia and the total is only what 41 they're pretty Georgia's much saying Georgia's gonna stomp they, them they are and they I are mean, they're good I they're mean good. they're good so Wyndale Robinson but. versus Tyke Smith that's uh, the Kentucky receiver transfer from Nebraska going against Tyke Smith, transfer from West Virginia, who's now playing for Georgia. And then you have Darian Kennard, offensive tackle, going against the man, the myth, the legend, that is Adam Anderson for Georgia. Darian Kennard, by the way, went down hurt in that game against LSU, the game we were at. Pop back up. Pop back up, ran to the sideline, medical tent for five minutes, was back on the field. Guy's, a, guy's an Iron Man, a yeah. legend. Start with the Wandell Tyke matchup. Yeah, so Tyke only got his first action this past week. It was a guy who's a top 100 Same. player heading into this. Uh, heading into the season, started the season hurt. So he will now be playing, fingers crossed, full full time as a slot for Georgia. Nickel guy. Going against Wandale, who we all know is like a slot gadget, whatever type of wide receiver, 5'11, 185, already nine broken tackles on 37 catches this season. 
already a career high 527 receiving yards he is their weapon he is their offensive weapon chris rodriguez the bowling ball this guy's the dynamism for that Mm -hmm. offense so that will be a hashtag fun matchup to watch and then darren canard adam anderson is gonna be great because canard 345 burly people mover but adam anderson best first step in college football oh yeah so now if kentucky if they go down you ain't getting you ain't getting the Kentucky offense we saw last year where they're leaning on Will Levis to run the football. He's going to have to drop back, and George's going to know he's going to drop back. So we're getting some true pass sets for our boy Darian Kennard against Adam Anderson. That will be tape that we'll be reviewing all spring media. This is the tape that I think you're going to repeatedly show either for Adam Anderson or you're going to repeatedly show for Darian Kennard when you are looking at the highlight reel. I can't believe you brought up C-Rod as the lightning, and you didn't bring up our guy, their backup running back. Oh, my C-Rod. God. I never. I We're at this game. Cavassier Smoke is one of is an all time name team named Cavassier. It's not spelled like cognac, but but in a much cooler way. And then Smoke is his actual last name. He is alcohol Smoke. He, he is the coolest guy in fucking it's college football. Definitely the coolest name in college football. Yeah. And Smoke Monday was right there. I know people like Smoke Monday. He just there's beats Big Smoke Cat Monday Bryant the... still somewhere you know laying yeah. around. I, I am all in on, on Cavassier. That's my guy. Um, Kenny Pickett. The Pittsburgh quarterback that's grading exceptionally well so far this year. I think he's a big all-star game candidate as well. You saw that the East-West Shrine Bowl already sending out some invites. Mm. It's almost Senior Bowl season. It's almost East-West Shrine Bowl season, which will be a good time. Also almost Hula Bowl season, which you love to see. Yeah. Going to be a lot of seasons down the stretch here. Kenny Pickett going against Virginia Tech, that fearsome D. This is an opportunity for Kenny Pickett yeah. to continue to kind of put his name on the national radar. Yeah, we've talked about it. He faced UMass, Tennessee, Western Michigan, New Hampshire, and Georgia Tech. He's the highest grade quarterback in college football. That is not, it's not a slate that's unconducive to playing good football, if that made sense. It's, you would expect him to grade well against those teams. Yeah. Now, Virginia Tech put Sam Darnold in the mix week one, just had his, Sam Darnold, Sam Howell, excuse me, in the mix week one, awful game in that one, multiple picks, multiple turnover worthy plays. So, Virginia Tech defense has some, some dudes on the back end, has a guy in Amari Barno on the edge that could put pressure. This they they throw a lot at you. This is an actual test for Kenny Pickett. So if he comes out of this one, another ninety plus grade, throwing big time throws left and right. Already got twelve in the season. Hey, we can talk first round. He's Let's got the tools. It. The dude's got a hose for an arm. Same. Loves to loves to sling it down the football field. Ten point five average up to target this year. So if he plays well, hey, we'll talk about it. But this will this is his actual first football game that's taped that. You know, as an evaluator, you should realistically care about how he performs. Mississippi State cornerback Martin Emerson going against an Alabama receiving core that has an emerging star that isn't John Mechie. That is going to go against John Mechie, but Jamison Williams, yeah. the transfer from Ohio State, has legitimate juice. juice. Yeah, He has been special for Bama this year. I'm excited to see Emerson. I'm honestly excited to continue to see you know, Williams, this Ohio, former four-star who transferred from Alabama to Ohio State. I don't know how that, that's a cheat code, having a ton of success with Bryce Young there in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, so Williams, uh, only 160 yards allowed through five games so far. Only one pass breakup. Not grading quite as well as he did last year, but has been a, been a starter ever since he was a true freshman. He's a true junior now. 6'2", 200, a big physical but they play a lot of off coverage there in mississippi state so it's gonna be nice to see him how he can match him here some athletic dudes in Mechie and williams some you know pure route runner types so that'll be fun to watch and then also on the other side of the ball charles cross big uh matchup for him and his draft stock going up against will anderson the sophomore 
Shall we get to the mailbag? No, one more one matchup. One more matchup. Noah Daniels, friend of the show, going against... Finally back. Marvin Mims, the Oklahoma yeah. receiver with probably, if Madden was creating a college football game, which I know they are soon, some of the best spectacular catch rating in college football. Marvin Mims is putting on a highlight reel so far this year. Noah Daniels, one of the twitched up athletes for TCU. Yeah, so one of our favorite cornerbacks from his tape in 2020, but then got hurt early on in the season after four games, missed the rest of the season, came back week five this year against Texas, held out of last week against Texas Tech, even though he dressed, should be a full go against Oklahoma. They're going to need him. So going up against Marvin Mims, who's obviously not draft eligible, a true sophomore there for Oklahoma, this will be some nice tape because he needs to put it on. He needs, to, he needs to play football, this dude. He's got 387 career snaps so far, Noah Daniels. He needs to put it on, but he's got some of the best man cover ability, some of the best speed in the entire draft class. Now on to the mailbag. Let's do it. Before we get to the mailbag, can I bring up a proud sponsor of the show? Sure. Right now, Manscaped is a proud sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast. It's football season, baby, and you know what that means. It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time for you to join. Two million men worldwide, including Mike Quinn, including Austin Gale, including Mike Renner, who trust Manscaped uh, by using... by using promo code PFF at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. It's three and out the window with all other trimmers. Now go tame that Wildcat offense. I'm going to Cool in the Game concert tonight, and you would be stupid if you didn't know I've already gone all in on the 4.0. That's all I'm going to say. The brand-new Lawnmower 4.0 is here to take your defense to the next level. This fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor. Bigger than my car. A new multifunction on-off switch can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn on a 4,000 LED spotlight on and off when needed for more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? Rain, snow, sleet are no match for the waterproof power of the 4.0. There's no 15-yard penalty for this clipping. Get 20% off and free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use code PFF. Stiff arm your pubes out the playoffs this year with Manscaped. Wow. Just wow. Mailbag. This is from a friend on Twitter. I have mentioned the college scene a little... Well, I've monitored the college scene a lot more this year. Could you compare the 2021 blue chip prospects to 2022? Yes. There seemed to be a significantly less amount of blue chip players in 2022, especially on offense. Finally, could you sum up the 2022 class in a word or sentence? Ooh, the word or sentence. Um, I didn't, I didn't do watch. the word or sentence one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll get to that one after I do the blue chippers, though. Blue chippers last year, and now we had three quarterbacks was the thing. We had Lawrence, Wilson, and Fields. I called blue chip quarterbacks. Uh, and then Penny Sewell, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Micah Parsons, Rashawn Slater. That was the blue chip tier for last season. And now, yes, very correct. Offensive side of the ball, I do not see the blue chippers this upcoming season. I have Kayvon Thibodeau, Kyle Hamilton, Derek Stingley, Aiden Hutchinson, DeMarvin Leal on defense, and then just Evan Neal and Tyler Lindebaum on offense. Two offensive linemen. No quarterbacks, no receivers. No quarterbacks, no receivers, no tight end, no running back even. So uh, to sum up, I guess, the 2020 class, I'd say defensive. It is is much, much better on the defensive side of the ball. There is much more talent there. And and I think by – and that was, you know – by end of season, we still have a lot. We still have over half the season left for a lot of these guys to where they will, guys will be entering this blue chip tier. I would imagine, or maybe not, but I, I think there will be guys who will perform down the stretch and you'll be like, okay, this guy's a real deal prospect as well. So at that point in time, but also those guys seem to be 
on the defensive side of the ball, guys, maybe Kyrie Elam if he comes back healthy for Florida. So uh, maybe even like Jordan Davis for Georgia if he plays more down the stretch. So that's that's where I see this class right now. Defensive. I like that one word approach. Mm-hmm. This is from Mike Mylike Mylike on Twitter. Do you find it frustrating to watch football sometimes? Because when things are done poorly, you understand why such how it should have been done instead. As someone who played, this reminds me. Never yeah. mind. As someone who played and coached baseball for many years, I find this with myself and baseball when pros don't do simple things I understand the importance of. Uh, I don't think – no, I, I don't get frustrated by it. Um, I, I think you definitely notice it at you know college to pro. You, you notice it with prospects a lot. I, it doesn't like frustrate me though. I will say like the biggest sort of thing that frustrates me having like, deep. depth of knowledge of football – is watching football movies or like football shows where they say dumbass shit about like, oh, they're running, you know, Texas. And it's like, okay. The, like, <laughs> like the stuff they say what? or like how like they, like the, sh- the, the, like the stuff they say or like how they're presenting. Pretty much the, the entire movie draft day. Yes. It's just like, you're just sitting there like, this is fucking ridiculous. Which, so that, that's probably the most frustrated I get in my position. Yeah. I don't think there's too many times where I'm frustrated. Um, with some of that stuff. I think it's more funny. I think it's definitely comedic sometimes. Even in those football movies, I think you laugh at it a bit. Um, Wolves of Sheeple on Apple Podcasts. Any chance Adrian Martinez, the Nebraska quarterback, would be a good prospect for 2023, despite whatever accuracy questions might arise, just as a Nebraska fan, and find his game very hashtag fun to watch. Thanks for the great pod. Is he eligible to come back? I, like I think everyone there is for 50 with years. Uh, COVID. Um, yeah, I think he is eligible to come back. I mean, he's been there as his fourth season, but COVID, everyone. There's no back. way Frost wants him back. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's no way Nebraska wants Frost back. Let's be honest. But um, accuracy, you can you can remove the what accuracy issues might arise. You can remove the might. They have arisen. Um, he has risen them multiple times, <laughs> and there accuracy is a big problem. Arm strength is a mm, bit of a problem. He he does not have. I mean. Athletic dude, 6'2", 212, good size, just not the tools, the arm talent. You look for a, for a top draft pick. Um, he, he's going to have to play vastly different football next year to really get himself into the, I didn't say draftable conversation. Not that he can't. I mean, like, he is a high-level athlete for the quarterback position. He could obviously change things around. What if he plays wide receiver? Because everybody loves to have that conversation. Mm. More of a safety. I think it's more of a safety build. That's, that's where his skills like go. I could ask him. Like uh, Eric Crouch. That's where they wanted Eric Crouch to go. Nebraska, the QB to safety pipeline. Love it. JD314. Mailbag from Drill Clinton. So I have a few... What? So I have a few Would You Rather. I also think it would be a great segment. Would you rather take Tyler Linderbaum your best center over Icky with his guard tackle flexibility. Uh, Tyler Lindebaum, I, I, I don't, I think Icky would be a much worse tackle than he would be a guard. So I like, yeah, that's some flexibility, but like Tyler Lindebaum's going to be a damn good center. So mm-hmm. that's an interior offensive line. Like if you're playing Icky at guard and Lindebaum at center, you'd rather have Lindebaum. Yeah, center's probably the most center. valuable interior position. Next one from Drill Clinton. Would you rather, if you, if you're the Texans, Deshaun Watson or picks one, three, four, five, add who would you take and would you rather have – okay, what the what? – That one we could just see. Okay. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, would what you rather have one? Kyle Hamilton or Jeremy Chin or if it's that easy, Stingley? Ooh. Uh, oof. Hamilton. Hamilton over Chin. Yeah. 
Maybe Stingley over Hamilton? No, Hamilton over Stingley. Lastly, how do you feel about Brandon Smith, Penn State? The guy is a big linebacker who played it in the slot. I like Brandon Smith. I think he can be. No, he plays in the slot, but I think he's like a between a three-down linebacker in the NFL. Um, probably ends up a midday. Did you guy. see on the broadcast for the Broncos game when Alexander Johnson dropped that pick? It was like a, a gimme. Okay. And then the commentator was like, yeah, Alexander Johnson, you know, they call a three-down line. This is a one-down linebacker. He's got cement in his head. And I was like, what? <laughs> I did not see that. I, was, I did not see that coming, though. He, like, legitimately said he's got, like, a, he's like a cement mixer in his head or something. I was like, what are you calling Alexander Johnson? And then the other commentator was like, yeah, we talked to his coach. He said he loves him. I was like, what the hell just happened? Oh, man. All right. Uh, this is from Trade Sam Darnold. Tell me how dumb I am. I love that lead. I, you should lead articles with that. Mm. I lead a lot of tweets like that. Oh, this is a great second sentence lead. Tell me how dumb I am. I'm sick of garbage. O-line, okay from the Jets. If we took Linderbaum in the top three, I would be so happy. Whoa. We can get an average defense with Salah, as we know, with no talent. Salah himself isn't fixing the offensive line. Thibodeau, Stingley, and Hamilton have to affect on Wilson. Have no effect on Wilson. Offense matters. Defense doesn't. Okay. This guy's a whirlwind, man. Don't tell him how dumb he is. I'm not going to tell you how dumb. Wait, he said he asked me to tell you how dumb you are. Yeah, sure. Tell him how dumb he is. You're a little dumb. It's a little dumb. Yikes. Uh, it's just a little. And it goes back to what we said about offensive line being a weak link fallacy. If you have your left tackle getting his shit pushed in, snap after snap, you have a bad O-line. You can, can have move a away all from pro left guard, all pro center, all pro right guard, all pro right tackle. It only takes one. It only takes one. So their move last year where it's like, let's just get Elijah Vera Tucker. And he fixes the O-line. It's like, that's only one piece of the puzzle. You're still starting uh, Greg Van Roten at right guard. And he's now getting his shit pushed in. I hate it. So, the if you want Tyler Linderbaum, and I would want Tyler Linderbaum. Shit, he's a very good player. I, I wouldn't hate that. You trade back from the top three. You don't just take him in the top three because that's a poor allocation of resources at that point. Yeah, you're getting a good player, but he's not a player that impacts the game in a way a top three pick should. So, trade back. And then fix multiple positions on your offensive line. Yeah. Or even just get depth on your offensive line. There's no shame in that. Guys get hurt every single year. So that is my answer to your question. Love it. Just a little dumb would be, was my answer. Quinn, you have trivia for us? I do. So this is the first time we have an all-listener-submitted trivia oh, question. Wow. Is we it got, from Drill Clinton? Oh, I'm gonna it's not from Drill Clinton. I'm going to Drill Clinton. It's from Miles Ray. Uh, Miles in Portland. Big shout out to him. He sent us five. I'm going to read four of them because we have one more question that came in on Twitter as well. And I know you guys got to get out of here and go to the concert. So we ready no, to start? No, we don't have to. We, we have to. <laughs> we ready to start? Yes. Let's do it. All right. Number one, out of all the first round picks of the 2010s, who is the only player with a single digit number of games played, a.k.a. Isaiah Wilson's granddaddy? <laughs> Wait, Isaiah Wilson's granddaddy? Just like... Oh, I okay. guess you could okay. call him so, like the. So Isaiah Wilson was in the 2010s. Oh. Yeah. Um, let me think. Single digit. Game How many games play. did Brandon Whedon play? Let me guess. Uh, AJ Jenkins. Negative. Damn it. I thought Brandon Whedon because he like had that mission trip, but I don't know. It's not Whedon, but it is a quarterback. Johnny Menzel. Not Johnny. Oh. Jake Locker. Not Jake no. Locker. We're getting close. Single digit games played. I have no idea. Let me think. Let me get, keep going. EJ Manuel? No. Okay, who is it? Paxton Lynch. 
Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which I think that's kind of unfair to put them in the same category as Isaiah Wilson, but Fair yeah. nonetheless, they played, they didn't play a lot of games. Uh, number two, what is the most recent team draft class to produce three first team all pro players, not including specialists? Because fuck kickers and yeah. punters now after this past weekend. Team draft class. First all team all pros, not Chris Pro Bowls. That's yeah. tough. Uh, I'll say the, oh gosh. It? Part of me wants to highlight, and I don't think this is it, but I want to highlight this draft class. Raiders 2014, Derek Carr, Khalil Mack, Gabe Jackson was a draft class, but it wasn't. That's not it. It's not them, but that is a fire draft. I, class. I w- my first instinct would be to say New Orleans in 2017 uh, with Ramchek, Kamara, and Mar- Marshawn Lattimore and Marcus Williams. No, but it's 2016. So you're 2016. close. Uh, who is it? Um, the. Cowboys 2016. Negative. Oh, God damn it. Who is it? Uh, it is the 2016 Titans. Kevin Byer, <laughs> Jack Conklin, Derrick Henry. Oh, right. five of the top 65. I would have never guessed that. Been, that would have been low on my list. Of Next thoughts. question. All right, number three, Davis the Neck Mills, who we mentioned earlier on the yeah. show, only threw 19 touchdowns in college, the lowest total of any 2021 NFL starting quarterback. Which other two 2021 NFL starters are tied with having the next fewest college touchdowns at 30. Trey Lance. Yep. And oof. you got to go way back. Oh, Tom Brady. Yeah, Tom Brady. Wow, that was impressive. Is Trey Lance the next Tom Brady? That's a good. That's I like that. I think that's what it has we're to be said. That's very good. Right. Uh, number four. Speaking of, well, yeah, speaking of Tom Brady, I thought I gave the answer away there. Who are the Tom only Brady. two. <laughs> Who are the only two active players who have won two Super Bowls and never played with Tom Brady? That's kind of crazy. To that's oh, kind of crazy stat. Not active. I was going to say Eli. Not won two Super Bowls, play not played with Tom Brady. Big Ben. Big Ben. Big Ben's one. Oof. Hmm. Oh gosh, there's someone. I Defense. Just heard this. Fook. What position? DB. I'm not going to specify. Okay. Gosh, Which... CB. Okay. Okay, we're getting close. I have no idea. I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm blanking on him. Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins. Fair enough. There you go. And That's you have one it. more? I have one more. Yeah. So this is a Twitter question. Um, those are good. Those are good trivia questions. The, yeah. The, no, sh- uh, shout out to Miles. Those were <laughs> yeah, awesome. Those were sick. Uh, Patrick Sertan, too, is currently second Sertan. in betting odds to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. But who are the last three DBs to win? Defensive Rookie of the Year. Also, that uh, that's from Patrick on Twitter. So I wonder if that's Pat Sertan too hitting us up. That's probably his trying dad. to get because he's a friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, he has been on the show. Yeah. Uh, was Marshawn Lattimore? Is he one of them? Yeah, Marshawn Lattimore, twenty seventeen. Um. Uh, did Derwin James win? No, not Derwin. <sighs> not Derwin. I want to say Tyron Matthew. Nope. This is tough. I don't know. I can do it. I can go back. Give us years. 2015 is the first one. Okay. Uh, the second one, the year will be a kind of a dead giveaway, but we'll go 2015 first. 2015. I'm trying to think that draft. 
was DB's met. I can't. I'm blanking. I'm not sure. 2015. You want to go to the the next one? Yeah. What's the next one? 1998. 1998. Charles. Charles Woodson. Yeah. Like I said, that that was a dead giveaway. Should have said that early. Uh. Well, no, because it's so far back. It's like, how do you think that? True. You guys gonna take a stab at the 2015? Yeah, I'll take a stab. Let me just one more one more beat here. What team? (laughs) Ah. He's been on multiple, probably. Yeah, he has been on multiple. I'm trying to think of who he was. Is it was the Rams? Maybe Ramsey? No. Okay. Or maybe it was the Ch- Marcus Peters. Who was he? Who oh, Marcus Peters. Uh, Chiefs. Yeah. Was he Chiefs and then? Yeah, he was Chiefs yeah. then Rams. My bad. Gotcha. Oh, Marcus. Yeah. All right. Know your co-host. You have one. I do. Go ahead. So in my four years at Notre Dame, 2018 to 2011 season. How many three times different did you starting, have a girl in your room? Three different starting quarterbacks. Zero. You couldn't have one. I know. <laughs> uh, name two of the three starting quarterbacks in Notre Dame from that era. Brady Quinn. Nope. No, okay. Uh, Jimmy Clausen. Yep. I think Jimmy Clausen's the only one you ever talk about. Mm. Mm, I don't know. Who the fuck else? One of them is their offense coordinator. I don't know. Tommy Reese and Dane Christ. Wow. I would have never got those. Dane Christ was a five-star that my freshman year, one of the ushers at the game said to us, he said, Dane Christ looks better than Jimmy Clausen. The only reason they're not starting him is because Jimmy, uh, Jimmy's like family would complain or something. I'm wow, like, great dude! And then Dane Chris got benched for Tommy Reese. You hate to see it. So, how many cars have I owned, knowing that I have not owned a car in the last four years? Oh, three, six. Damn, that's a lot of cars. Sixty-five Mustang, seventy-seven Pontiac Trans Am, Honda Passport, Honda Corolla. Or no, Honda Toyota uh, Corolla. Yeah, Honda uh, Accord, Toyota Corolla, mm. and then a Saturn hatchback. Which one was your fave? Sixty-five Mustang was sick for the two weeks I had it before my dad crushed it. Yeah. And then the Pete the Pontiac Trans Am was also sick. Then my dad totaled that. Oh. And then the Honda Passport was awful. I left that when I went for San Diego. And then San Diego racing, I blew up the Honda Accord. Your and then the Toyota Corolla car. and X crashed that one. And then I gave and sold my, or no, gave my Saturn hatchback to my sister when I moved to Cincy. I've had six cars. And I'm never going to get one again. I was going to say, maybe it's a good thing you don't have one. I'm not touching it. I'm a, I'm a freaking curse. I'm a freaking curse. That's going to do it for today's show of Tailgate. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Also use promo code Baton Rouge. Tailgate, Tailgate to get 25% off your PFF subscription. If you are in Baton Rouge, we're going to be in Baton Rouge. And it's going to be sick. Definitely hit us up if you want to hang out down there in Baton Rouge. Until next time, Mike Renner, Austin Gale. Mike Quinn, David Safaro, Max Chadwick, and Stone Rochelle. I'm going to throw him in too. Tailgate. Now joining the Tailgate podcast is Coastal Carolina tight end Isaiah Likely. If you haven't heard the name yet, you are sadly missing out. He has been one of the better performing tight ends all year long in the FBS. Coming off a, what, 232-yard game. Isaiah, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, my man. Where I'd like to start is, did you expect this game, this blow-up game to happen against Arkansas State? Eight receptions on nine targets, 232, and four touchdowns. What, what did you have for breakfast? Was it the Wheaties? What all went down? Because this was just an absolutely absurd game. It might have been the gummies I walked out on the field with. Nah. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, really just answering what my number was called was really the uh, point of emphasis I have going into every week. And just, you know, just having this monster game like that, it was just... When I got the ball, try to go, try to go for six. 
And, and has you know entering this season because obviously you know you were highlighted. I talked to your coach uh, earlier in the in the preseason, and you were highlighted as this guy that they need to get the football. What was is was there a difference in approach from last year to this year on the emphasis that you were going to be in the offense? Were you you know told that you were going to be a bigger focal point, or I guess how was this offseason different or this season preparation different maybe to previous years? Um, really, just uh, my coach understanding that like I was no longer hurting from my injury. So like him just throwing me, you know, a lot more in the slot, in line, uh, wide out, and just really just expanding my route tree for some effect that like there was no more holding me back. I I didn't got my surgery, I didn't got 100% healthy, and just you know letting the playmaker do what he wants to do. You know, so far this season, a lot of your routes run or offensive snaps have been an inline tight end, but you have split out wide and you have split in the slot seldomly. Do you expect yourself to like continue to get more versatile as the season progresses, getting more work in the slot, getting more on the outside to really just leverage all your talent? Uh, it really is just game plan. I mean, wherever we see a mismatch uh, is really where they put me. So it just really just whoever we play that week. Gotcha. I would love to hear, too, your relationship with uh, Grace McCall, who's been you know, one of the highest-performing college quarterbacks over the past few years now, continues to have success as you as one of his primary targets. What has that relationship been like for you on and off the field, and how has that developed over the years? Uh, really, has been a blessing. I mean, having the best you know quarterback in college football uh, behind me uh, and really trusting me uh, game in and game out, in and out of practice, and really just being able to blend with him off, uh, off the field because – you know, you can only go so far trying to be friends on the field. And, you know, the chemistry we have was built off the field and really in uh, film at, you know, going for dinner, going for, you know, just talks, really walks, and being able to just talk to them outside of just the football aspect. That's awesome, man. I mean, having that relationship with your quarterback, I know, goes such a long way. Now looking at this bye week, an opportunity to kind of really reset as you approach the back half of the season. Where are you at mentally? What are you focusing on as you guys hope, obviously hope to close out a very successful year? Uh, really, I felt like this off, se- uh, off season, uh, off week <laughs> helped out with, you know, just really uh, everybody's body because, you know, wearing tears on any given opponent, you know, your body starts to deteriorate a little bit. So just, you know, sitting back, really uh, resting, you know, the physical part of the game and really just expanding your uh, mental part of the game and watching a lot more film on the upcoming weeks that we have. Uh, apps day we have on uh, Wednesday night, you know, spend some extra time in the film room trying to understand uh, and really just trying to see what they do on defense differently and get a dub out in that game. You know, playing such a versatile role, I'd be interested to hear, you know, when you are approaching the film, you know, what are you keying on the most? Because I'm sure a lot of it is, you know, looking at off-ball linebackers, looking at safety, some of the matchups you'll have. But you also have to kind of look at the defense as a whole, you know, what coverages they're playing, what keys do they have, you know, how are they approaching certain splits and these things. What are kind of some of the major focal points of when you are watching film, what you look for? Uh, well, you know, first, uh, in the beginning of the week, uh, usually – I usually just watch, you know, every game they've had up to that point, uh, usually. And then as, you know, the week progresses, as days go on, I then split and start breaking down into what I want to look for. Into strike mode, into red zone, into goal line. And then I look into uh, really what they favor in the coveraging, uh, the weaknesses they have in players, strengths they have in the players. And then as, you know, week starts uh, dwindling down, uh, how I would attack uh, so-and-so player on this type of route how I attack a certain linebacker, and then really just uh, in the box. Then I look at the fronts that they have, the fronts that they like, 
uh, what down linemen what uh, he favors on, and really uh, what they their nicks and nacks. Do you have any opportunities, maybe in the bye week, some extra opportunity to turn on NFL tape? Do you ever watch you know NFL caliber tight ends and and pick pick some pieces from their game to kind of add to your own? Uh. Last season, I feel like I had a lot more time, uh, more than usual, just COVID, you know, less, uh, more, not less, more time off, uh, just for the simple fact that we played uh, more kind of crazy weeks for people having COVID cases, us moving up games, us moving back games. But this week, I haven't really been able to, you know, digest in uh, NFL season. The only time I really kind of watch NFL is watch my, you know, big brother Teron play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also, you know, I was hearing Travis Kelsey on the Manning cast. I don't know if you watched the Monday Night Football with he was on. He talked a little bit about, you know, how much the tight end position is changing in the NFL and in college, honestly, how much, you know, teams are chasing lighter tight ends, more athletic tight ends, these move tight end types. And when you look at the best ones in the NFL, Darren Waller, Kelsey, Gronk is in that mix as well, obviously, Kittle, these are guys that are uber athletic that can make plays with the ball in their hands after the catch and create separation from multiple alignments inline slot outside what has been your take on how the nfl has evolved or i guess this position has evolved and where do you i guess see it going over the next three to five years um i really love what they're doing with the position i mean i was recruited as a tight end hybrid at the time you know being a freshman kid moving from receiver into tight end you don't really want to hear that because, uh, you, you know, you love catching the football. You don't really love blocking coming out of high school. So when they <laughs> tell me I'm going to be a tight end hybrid, I mean, doing a lot more research and, you know, not really falling in love with the tight end position until really probably my sophomore year. And then really, you know, manifesting, trying to, you know, take on the workload and understanding, like, if I do want to play at the next level, I do have to love and understand this position at a whole nother level than when I'm trying to, you know, put myself in. No, absolutely. I could definitely see that. So I want to ask that question too. Did you only play wide receiver in high school? Did you play any defense? Did you play other positions? What all did you play? Uh, well, I started my uh, freshman and sophomore year only playing safety. So oh that's, wow! You know, yeah, so I was a defensive kind of guy, and then I moved. Then they moved me to receiver and uh, DN my junior year of high school, and then like. Senior year, I was strictly just offense. My coach didn't let me play a lick of defense unless it was emergencies. Oh, wow. That's that's insane. Um, yeah. I only got a couple more questions for you, and then I'll let you go. I really appreciate the time, Isaiah. Um, this bye week, you know, I was talking to Iowa center Tyler Linderbaum, I think it was yesterday, and he's on the bye week as well. And I was like, what are you doing? He's going duck hunting. You got any fun plans? Are you getting away from football at all on the bye week? He also said this Saturday for the first time in a while, he's going to be able to actually watch some games. What do you got planned for the bye? Um, I mean, we're not really on our bye no more. We had three days off at the beginning of the week. Uh, yeah. Really just uh, harping on App State because they just played uh, yesterday. So trying to, uh, you know, watch a little bit more of the tape in depth with my coaches uh, this past afternoon and really just trying to, you know, get my mindset when winning out, I'm trying to make a uh, New Year's Six Bowl and win the conference championship. Can't can't hate those goals, man. And what about per, last one for you? What about personal goals? Are there anything? Are there any things in your notes or you know on your on your bathroom mirror that you're looking to kind of accomplish this season? Is it the Mackey Award? Is it you know X amount of yards? Do you have any personal goals? It doesn't even always have to be statistical either that you want to accomplish and really finish out the season with. Um, really just leaving the legacy with the younger guys. I mean, understanding the like you're only going to be known for so many things. So what do you want to be known for? So just really just harping on. Uh, you know, the chemistry I'm trying to build with my team and really just the way I attack day in and day out.
practice, film, and really just life with the younger guys and letting them understand that, like, you only get so many years playing college football before it's all said and done. So what do you want to be remembered for? Phenomenal stuff, Isaiah. Really appreciate the time, and I wish you the best of luck this season. Thank you, my man. Crushed it, dude. Thanks again uh, for doing that. That four chain is hot. And if, when you get to the NFL, my guy, they're going to let <laughs> you wear it. You'll be able to wear four in the NFL. So that's a, that's a huge win, dude. That's, that's freaking awesome. Really appreciate the time, like I said. Anytime, my man. Have a good one.